Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? I'm doing I'm, I'm doing all right. I wish uh I wish Los Angeles would make up his mind as to, as to whether or not it's autumn. Amen to that. Did I say make up his mind? I think I, I meant it's. Also, when like when somebody is making reference to like a city or a boat or a car, it's almost always a her. Yeah. Los Angeles would make up her mind. Yeah. But then that could be viewed as a little sexist, I guess. Yeah. Definitely. Anyway, so, uh, yes, I agree with you completely. It was nice. It was, like, in the low 70s, oh, even the great. 60s. I mean, I I know you and I differ on this. I could have done without the rain. No. But even, the, the, the like, the day after the rain stopped, oh, it was perfect. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was a little humid for my taste, but that's me. Right, you're um, crazy. And it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, but now it's up to, like, 100 degrees. Have you forgotten? We lived in Chicago. It was... Yeah. It's nowhere near that humid here. That's true, and I and yes, in southern Missouri, it was in, it was like breathing through a wet sponge uh-huh. in the summer. But uh, I don't like any humidity, David. So even a little, so imagine how miserable I was in those other places. I'm a little bit less miserable here, but okay. still miserable. Um, yeah, it's hot and it sucks and I hate it. No, thank you. I'm ready for it to get chilly again, which it looks like it will next week. But uh, 100 degrees mid October. Global warming, El Nino. Um, <laughs> um, so, other than that, you've seen some movies lately, right? Have you've, I? You've seen Zombieland. Oh, I did. T- I did. Yes. And you saw uh, a serious man. I did see that. Uh, yes. A serious man. <laughs> <laughs> Lesser known uh, comic book hero, serious man. <laughs> serious man. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I saw a movie as well. Yeah, you sure did. I saw The Damned United. Starring Michael Sheen. Starring Michael Sheen and Cole Meany. And, and written and directed and Tim, by Peter Morgan? No, um, written by Peter Morgan, directed right. by Tom Hooper, who did all the John Adams episodes. Oh, yes, that's right, that's right. Um, but yeah, and Cole Meany and uh, Timothy Spall and yeah. Jim Broadbent. It was, I, I, I enjoyed it immensely, but apparently, I, I've just come to find out that you and friend of the show, Jason Egan, yeah. who we mentioned 16 times an episode now, yeah. Um, uh, my having seen The Damned United on Tuesday yeah. led you guys to a little discussion. Yeah, uh, and, and, and here's, so here's the thing. As far back as I can remember, which is to say as long as I've known, as long as I've known you, specifically. You, you've always wanted to be a gangster. A gangsta. I wanted to be a gangster. <laughs> Damn, it feels good. Anyway, so um, <laughs> we're a little silly this episode, I guess. Um, we just got off a rousing game of Carcassonne. Um, yeah, in which I was handily dispatched. That's all right. You're still new to it. It's fine. I am. Um, so <laughs> back w- back when we lived together, and it would appear it's still around. You would just decide that I'm going to see this movie, <laughs> what- whatever it might be. And the movie was almost always, though not always, uh, it was you know perfectly good. But like you decided, what do you like, mean? Not always. Planet you were the apes hankering to see domestic disturbance, like I was. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I did wound, wind up seeing it when you bought it. Well, I, I bought it cheap. I for understand, like two dollars or something. And it but, turned uh, out better than I thought it was. Yeah, it was be. a fun but, movie. But like, so like, Planet of the Apes. Do you remember when? Uh, yeah, okay. Sorry to interrupt you. It's fine. But uh, Steve Buscemi was on some late night talk show. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> promoting domestic disturbance. Yeah. And, okay, there's going to be a spoiler for people who are <laughs> dying to see domestic <laughs> disturbance here. But the movie hadn't come out yet, and they say, all right, uh, we're going to show you a clip from the movie. And I guess Steve Buscemi didn't didn't know what clip they were going to show. Yeah. They showed the clip in which he is killed. Yeah. In the movie, and they came back and they came back to him, and he was just like stunned. He was like, <laughs> "Well, I guess you know what happens to me in the movie now." <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it's the central crime that like the boy witnesses. Yeah. And she's like, "Oh, so this? Well, I guess they just jumped right in because he has plenty of other interesting scenes." Yeah. But uh, no, they just throw that one in, and uh, yeah, I'd be a little shocked too. That's like the studio sent you this. Um, but uh, anyway, so so yeah, Planet of the Apes. Um, Again, we I saw that second run. We paid like a, a buck absolutely, fifty to see that movie. Absolutely, we paid full price to see not another teen movie. Well, which I don't regret at all. Full price, maybe, but like no, that movie was awesome. Time Machine. That was fun. It was dumb. It was dumb, yes. And the time s- uh, travel sequences were awesome. But anyway, so here's the thing. But no, you're talking about the movies that are that are the, good, though, that I would see. That just weren't... Yeah, and, and so... And that's the thing. So you asked me to bring up movies that weren't that good. I just did. But you will also watch movies that are that are great. I'm really interested in seeing Damned United. It, it sounds really interesting to uh-huh. me, even though I don't care about soccer. But here's the here's the thing. Well, there's almost no soccer in the movie. I know, but like I feel like to somebody who follows the sport and knows who these people are, right. it will be just in- inherently more interesting. But um but anyway, so what what has always fascinated me and what has recently started to fascinate friend of the show Jason Aiken uh-huh. is how you go about Okay, you lo- your favorite film of all time uh-huh. Is Barton Fink uh-huh. by the Coen Brothers? You're also a big fan of Steven Soderbergh in general, and that's just to name a couple, off the top of my head. Both, uh, both the Coen Brothers and Steven Soderbergh have movies out in theaters right now, and I have seen neither. You've seen neither of them. You chose instead to see The Damned United. Again, I'm not condemning your decision <laughs> yeah, to I, see I, the I film. No, no, I know you're not. It's, the audience knows you're not. Right. And I'm not. Yeah, and I didn't. I don't mean to disparage that film. What I'm, what I'm asking, though, is, and something I never thought to ask when we lived together, how do you arrive at the movies that you've decided, I'm going to pay full Los Angeles theater prices to see this movie as opposed to that movie? Um, there's a number of factors. Okay. Some of them respectable, some of them uh, dumb and juvenile. Okay. Um, as 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 part uh, a friend of the show, Jimmy Pardo would say, "Walk us through it, David." <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Well, first, I, I uh, my girlfriend was out of town. I don't know anybody who really wanted to see The Damned United, so that seems like a good movie to see alone. I didn't get a call. No, I did. That's another thing. I went straight from work, and mm. so a part of it was what starts at seven thirty, yeah. because that's when I can get there. Right. You know. So that was part of it. But there's also a part of me that's like, I know. Because it's Steven Soderbergh, and uh, it's you know this big movie, uh, and because the reviews have not been enough to propel me straight into the theater, which mm-hmm. I, I, I'll definitely see where the wild things are probably sometime in the next few days when yeah. my girlfriend gets back in town, uh, because the reviews have been so 
just uh, ecstatic. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was gonna say something orgasmic, sexual. Yeah, I was yeah, yeah. Uh, ejaculatory. Um, <laughs> oh, you managed to trump me, sir. <laughs> but um, uh, I know that some way I'm just going to buy happenstance i'm gonna see the informant eventually sometime in my life right okay so i know that's gonna happen yeah uh i'm at a we're at a point where seeing a movie in the theater isn't necessary for me anymore because you know people have big tvs and dvd players and and blu-ray and all this stuff yeah and i'm sure we can have that argument with a a guest someday yeah yeah i'd I'd (laughs) say so um we might be able to have it ourselves (laughs) okay in a minute okay go ahead okay Uh, and and then uh, an, uh, another part of it is, this is the juvenile part, because right. I've always been just. Um, I, I don't want to say contrarian, but that's I just the, want. I just. I just want to not go see the movie that I know everybody else is going to see. I want to see the movie, like okay, I know the majority of Americans are gonna. What's the stupid movie that came out recently? Couples Retreat. Couples Retreat. A huge number of Americans are gonna go see Couples Retreat. Yeah. Okay, and then. A lot of the cooler Americans are going to be going to see a zombie land and a serious man. Yeah, you know, I want to be even cooler than that and see some square movie that only I, I like being in a theater where I'm the only person under the age of fifty. I've always liked that since yeah. high school. Uh, I, I just love going to see those kinds of movies, uh, and, and and so there's a part of, a part of it I will come right out and admit is just me trying to be as individualistic as possible and not see the movies that everyone else I know is seeing. Hmm. All right. Well, I guess... But, I mean, there's still movies I want to see. Like you said, it's a movie you want to see. Yeah, absolutely. But it's like, who who do I know is actually going to, like, stick to their guns and go see The Damned United? I would have gone. Why didn't you call me? I don't know. We had to meet there in Pasadena. I came straight from work. Uh that's fine. I got nothing else to do. <laughs> Let's go see Damn United. All right, in the future. Um, By the way, Damn United was really good. I yeah. Mean, is the story. I, I don't know enough about the story to know um, the real the real story to know how much is made up or, yeah. or changed or whatever. And it does seem a little uh, uh, conventional. The, st- yeah. the the actual sort of arc of the story, but it's all about Michael Sheen and Colmini yeah. in his in his. Uh, fewer scenes is is great but well uh, michael sheen carries the movie so much about it seems like the type of movie i would like it is conventional but as i've said i think to you but not necessarily on air um as you know i'm a big fan of like detective novels and like law and order and there is nothing more conventional and formulaic than law and order Uh i mean it's and i and it knows it's it it decided the formula early on uh-huh. and there's a certain degree of comfort knowing what the formula is going to be but what's also interesting is seeing how they're what they're going to do within that formula because once it's established that this is what they're going to do then then it almost frees them up to do other things within that that you wouldn't think they would do um like some of the better episodes of Law and Order, it's still the basic format and the basic formula, but there'll be, but the main fight is not what you think it is. It's not fighting to get this defendant put in jail. It's fighting jurisdiction with another district attorney mm. over this defendant and stuff like that. And so, um, excuse me. Um, so I feel like Damned United, where 
It's like, yeah, you know that the film itself is not going to be remarkably challenging. That sounds insulting, but it's just, it's not going to be anything really new. But within that, it kind of allows the writer and the actors to do interesting things. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it really looks like a, a nice showcase for Michael Sheen. I, I know he probably, there was talk of him maybe like being kind of on the short list for like a best actor nomination. And he probably won't be nominated because of the nature that, you know, the film's pretty small and the nature of the role. But at the same time, it is kind of his turn. Like he's been Uh around for like the last few years, turning in solid performances in other films. And so I I could see it going that way, actually, just being kind of the, the wild card that there's no way he would ever win. But, you know, something like that. So I'm, I'm excited to see it. Which, but real quick, uh, another reason that I chose to see The Damned United is that okay. it's it's called The Damned United, which is just so much fun to say. It is it is fun <laughs> to say, yes, admittedly. Um, and here's the thing, you know, uh, I think I've got a mashup for Jim Bruce, The Damned United 93, um, <laughs> which I guess goes without saying. It's Maybe it's repetitive. Um, so, uh, okay, well, that was, that was what I was curious about because, honestly, like, I usually pick the movies. I pick movies that I want to see, and often as detractors of the of this podcast have often uh pointed out um you know uh what i want to see seems to be what everyone else wants to see uh-huh. um but uh but yeah you've always been something of a mystery to me david and i wasn't so it's it's a mixture of of you being a contrarian that's me paraphrasing uh-huh. um c- practicality like what starts soon yeah and uh what was the other one that makes you sound not as bad I can't remember. Okay. All right. So you're basically a very practical contrarian. <laughs> <laughs> looks like we got a, another T-shirt, just practical contrarian. Um, so uh, <laughs> oh, I, had, I was going to say something. I can't remember what it was. Oh, well. Okay. Well, I was just curious about that, David, and, uh, you know, uh, you want to you wanna move us along? Did you have something else to say? I did, and I can't remember at all I'm what sorry. it is. So uh, let's get into it, shall we? All right. David, now, take it. Okay, well, actually, let's use the Damn United as um, as a leaping off point. All right, because uh, Brian Clough is the, the character. Um, I'm sure our uh, British listeners will tell me that I've fucked up the pronunciation <laughs> um, of his name. I could be, you know, I'm sorry, but um, David, every he, time you apologize for your pronunciation, it's a little endearing. It's kind of adorable sometimes to me. Why? I don't know because you get a lot more. Because you're a very confident person, and then you be- suddenly become very sheepish. You're like, uh, I, I guess I, I, you stammer a little bit. And just, yeah, I, I guess I might well, mess that up. I mean, la- language is very important to me. Yes. So I, uh, I like trying to get things right. Do you I, speak another language, David? Not, no, not. Yeah. I mean, I know I, I took I took a lot of German, but I didn't Ach. retain a lot of it. Yeah. Absolutely. What was that? Ah. I don't think that's a German word. I think it is. I hear it a lot <laughs> in German films. Um. Anyway, so the Brian Clough is um, he's our guy. He's the the lead in the movie. He's the one you're following, you know. And uh, the movie presents his side of the story sympathetically, mm-hmm. but doesn't necessarily condone his actions. Right. You know, it it. Uh, I mean, he's a guy who. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. I mean, he kind of yeah. gets his comeuppance, you know, and the movie uh, kind of it, – it, it, the movie says he deserves it okay, in a way, you know. But 
at no point is he not a sympathetic character. Okay. Uh, and that, so that's what we're going to talk about today. The 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 way that uh, we we you and I have been talking about this for a couple of days and trying to find a concise way to talk about the the yeah. the topic here, but uh, just uh, sympathy for unsympathetic characters. Yeah. Uh, you know, or 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 bad people in the movie. You know, yeah. in the movies, like what? How do you justify it to yourself when you're rooting for a guy like Mel Gibson in Payback? You know. Yeah. Um, well, that one's a little easier than the others. Simply uh, because he's the least evil of the bunch, right? So, but um, so that's what we're going to talk about. Well, let's start with Mel Gibson in okay. Payback. Well, you know what? <laughs> let's jump topic a little bit. I mean, we've talked about um, we did an episode a while ago on separating the film from the filmmaker. Yeah, you know, and um, that's not what we're talking about today. So I just want to sort of lay that out. You know, when we, when I talk about Mel Gibson in Payback, I'm talking about. Not how I feel about Mel Gibson going into the movie, although at the time I didn't know he was a, a screaming anti-Semite. <laughs> um, but uh, the, just just to clarify, that's not what we're talking about. We're just right. talking about the character himself, not uh, not not the actor's existence outside of the movie. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean Mel Gibson in Payback is a perfect example. He goes to the movie, the entire movie, doing things that are morally just reprehensible. You know. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, because you know we watch him pick that guy's pocket and then spend all his money on a new suit and a huge dinner, you know? Yeah. And we think it's kind of cool. Like, oh, look, oh yeah. look what he got away with. But, I mean, that poor guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, that happens all the time in, like, heist movies, in movies about about criminals where, you know, somebody like, a, like Jack Foley in Out of Sight or, you know, the characters in Pulp Fiction, they do their life... They literally are criminals. They do things that if we heard about it on the news, we'd be like, oh, that's terrible. But we're seeing it from their point of view, and it's kind of, as you say, kind of cool. And you're like, yeah, oh, well, man, I, don't I know wish about, I could be Jack Foley. I don't know about bank robbers because I've always kind of bought into that that it's not the bank's, it's not your money, it's the bank's money thing. Yeah. And I just think, way to go, bank robbers. Get away with it. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's something you and I disagree on. I think that I think that thievery is wrong, and I imagine pointing guns in people's faces is also wrong. No, yeah, I'm exaggerating. Obviously, yeah. I don't really <laughs> support bank robbery, but it's it's a lesser crime than uh, holding up a liquor store. Even though you get more money from a bank, yeah, I guess the the effect on the liquor store owner, who I mean, is usually probably living closer to being hand to mouth, you know. Yeah that's going to hurt him more. So I, uh, yeah, liquor store owners are more sympathetic than banks. What about bank employees? Well, they're not going to lose their jobs. No, but they will have a gun shoved in their face. Probably. Well, mm, that's traumatic, I think. But Jack Foley didn't use a gun. That's true. He told the manager he his, he that some his, guy had a gun. He used his charm to yeah. disarm her. <laughs> um, but, uh, Wait, was that a, tagline no <laughs> i just came up with that but uh yeah and i think honestly with with characters like that i mean we're not exactly talking about henry portrait of a serial killer or anything right um with characters like that i think there's a certain degree of you sympathize with them because you so badly wish you were him mm-hmm. um you know as i've said before to me the epitome of cool is probably either jack foley or chili palmer incidentally both Elmore Leonard creations where he just creates a whole universe where everybody always knows exactly what to say in the moment at all times. 
and that it, and that's what everybody wants. And so you kind of live vicariously through these characters, and that they do what everybody, what we all kind of wish we could do. And I think that instantly gets our sympathy. Um, but but at the same time, I feel like some of those. Like when you run across like a bank robber who, or or a, a robbery, you know, a heist type film that takes place kind of in our reality, mm-hmm. um, I think it instantly takes away kind of the sheen and some of the glamour associated with these types of characters, and I think instantly the the some of the sympathy goes away a little bit because part of I think part of the reason that we sympathize so readily with these characters is because the films so clearly are not reality. Yeah. And it's just, and it's, there's, it's not an issue. It's fine. Um, but then once you, you know, once you see like, honestly, even though I didn't like the movie that much, once you see something like heat or public enemies, um, <laughs> public enemies is the one I didn't, I didn't care for. I like heat, but you watch something like that and you see, what was the last time you watched heat? I feel like I'm going to be full of tangents today. Fair, uh, fairly recently, actually, like in the last year or two. I I know it's like a whole part of the movie, the like the people with their their sort of home lives or their relationships. Yeah. Like it's a part of the theme of the movie. But that, with repeat viewings, that becomes the part you kind of get bored with, don't you think? Um, it depends. I I kind of get bored with. Maybe it's just the fact that I don't like Ashley Judd and never have. <laughs> I am not an Ashley Judd fan. Yes. Um, but that one actually. Because it seems to be the only genuinely like loving, committed relationship, mm-hmm. I'm more invested in it. Whereas De Niro always keeps himself at a distance, and you know that when the heat when the heat's around the corner, man, yeah, he's gonna leave. And so you you know that. And then uh, Pacino's marriage is pretty much done. Yeah. And so, but he does get to scream at yes. Xander Berkeley. He sure does. Yes. Yeah. And you, you, you can't watch, watch my, TV. my fucking TV. And so, um, so I feel like I feel like the um, the De Niro love story or home life. I feel like that one is actually kind of more boring because I know that. And I guess this this almost could actually extend to the topic, because we are, as viewers, instinct you know just automatically put into the shoes of the main characters. He's not. I mean, he's invested in it as much as he can be, which is, of course, not as much as perhaps he should be, and thus neither are we. Okay. And so... Okay, end of tangent. Why am I interested in that? Let's get back to the story. Yeah. Um, Uh, What was I saying? Oh, yeah. When you're talking about heat, actually, that's a good jumping off point. Like heat and and public enemies, it's... There are characters who do things that we've seen in movies before, but they don't do it quite as... It's not like as slick and it doesn't go off like, you know, like an Ocean's Eleven. Like you mm-hmm. realize there actually are ramifications, moral and otherwise, for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of a sudden they start to lose our sympathy a little bit because you realize, oh, this takes place in my reality. And in my reality, robberies go wrong. People get shot. Yeah. And these are the people shooting them, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, so I feel like. I feel like, you know, like heist movies and Elmore Leonard films and such, I feel like they really do, uh, I almost feel like they're 
just another part of what we're talking about, just a whole, almost a separate thing because they don't really, as much as I love get shorty, it takes place in a heightened version of our reality. Certainly not our reality, even though people are getting shot and killed. Mm -hmm. It's still, you're just able to laugh at it really because it's not, it doesn't have the emotional ramifications of if you were here to hear about it, you know, on the news or something. So, now, David, let me ask you this: What was it, the Damned United, that caused you to th- to come up with this uh, topic, or like, how did you how did you get here? <sighs> um, I don't remember. It's something I've been thinking about for a while, and I'm sure the Damned United sort of sparked it again. Yeah, but I mean, uh, I've been thinking about it even actually. Um, Inglorious Bastards was a big was a gonna, big yeah. part of it because um, that's a movie where. The good guys and the bad guys both do awful things. Oh yeah, uh, and the 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 movie is intentionally simplistic in its morality. And yeah. it says it's okay that the bastards do these things because they're the good guys, right? You know, they're the white hats. Yeah, and it's not okay that the Nazis do these things because they're the bad guys. Which, of course, now though, Inglorious Bastards is my third favorite movie of the year right now. Um, Still number one for me. All right, really? Okay. But Wasn't it, something was about to in the loop off. is biting at his heels. Okay, I might have to reconsider. All right, and the loop is is my number two. Mine as and, well. Uh, and up is my number one. And so, but so I really like Inglorious Bastards. But uh, and I guess I can repeat this because we lost that Graham Elwood episode. So I don't have. So I didn't actually say this on our show. Right. Um, is, and I've kind of made my my peace with it. But you're absolutely right. Is that is that it's Tarantino is depending on and I would venture to say encouraging a certain American point of view yeah that because these characters are American and one could venture to say because we won the war and because it's against the Nazis who of course had some pretty bad ideals um <laughs> but uh because of all those and because he is catering to an American audience he knows that a lot of a lot of people will unquestioningly just go along with with the bastards. They don't care, you know. And that has all and that's that's been my problem with it is as strange as it sounds cuz just a moment ago I was talking about how in films that don't really take place in our reality it's easy for me to just go along with it and I don't care. Yeah, but I mean, you're talking about out of sight and get shorty the yeah, the brutality in Inglorious Bastards is yeah uh, a lot larger. Yeah. Also, it actually it is something that actually happened to a point. Um, <laughs> you mean World War Two? World War Two, Nazi atrocities, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, and and it's something that uh, ever since I uh, saw Judgment at Nuremberg, which is one of my favorite movies of all mm-hmm. time, uh, and I will be bringing it up later. Uh, ever since then, I've been really fascinated with the idea of how Nazis or you know, World War Two Germans are portrayed in film, and as much and I do, and I love the Jew Hunter. He's like a fully fleshed out character. My concern, and he's a bad, a bad guy, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, my concern is more with the like the German, like the anonymous random German soldier who is treated as if he might as well be Goebbels. You know, as mm-hmm. far as the bastards are concerned, and it's just like Nazis. They're almost like. Uh, did you ever read the, the the comic book of the Tick? Uh, yeah, I think. Okay, where ninjas are literally just treated almost as if they are just 
pests like cockroaches. <laughs> like people are just like, ugh, I ran over a ninja, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And so um, I feel like Nazis have kind of have kind of taken that, and perhaps the blame should be laid at Indiana Jones's feet, but. You know, right down to in, in Last Crusade, he goes, Nazis, I hate these guys. As if it's just, <laughs> as if they're just a nuisance more than anything. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and so, so I feel like the, the, the random German soldier who, you know, as we discussed on the Paul Goebel show, yes, I mean, he, he did have a choice to make about whether or not he was going to go with his government or not, but like, I don't know. It it seems more. I imagine it was way more complicated than that, at least morally. Definitely. And the film doesn't treat it as such. It just treats them as all unsympathetic. But it knows. Tarantino knows that it's more. more that's why he writes that scene for for Werner. Uh, you know why he writes him uh, noble. You know and yeah, and and, and and intentionally kind of sympathetic because he knows. It, he's he's making a movie that has a certain point of view, yeah. But it's informed by his more recent point of view because the movie is really about movies and yeah. how they're used as propaganda and how they simplify things. And he right. made a, sim- a simple, a morally simple movie to to illustrate the the impact that the the gigantic impact that simple movies can have yeah and and because of that i i still embrace it and of course it's just a wonderfully made film um but my my hope my concern inglorious bastards did very well it might have been his biggest box office success so far right i I don't actually know i mean it it was at number one its first week and i think it's second i don't recall but um excuse me um I'm it's so proud of Americans that they're willing to... Go see a Brad Pitt film? No, go see a movie that's at least two-thirds subtitled. Yeah, know? but I don't know if it... I don't think they knew that, though. But you never in. hear anyone complaining. No, not at all. And people don't complain about when, you know, the lengthy Korean scenes on Lost. Yeah. Oh, way to go, America. They, then they didn't... And I never heard any complaints about um, subtitles on traffic and, and enti- an entire section of that. Any, anything that takes place... Uh, with Benicio del Toro, mm. is all subtitled. I have heard some people complain about that, but really, that was, that was eight years ago. Or nine we've moved years on ago. since then, is yeah. what you're saying. Um, yeah. But uh, and so my my concern is, and and I'm I'm sorry if this sounds like I'm if I'm I don't mean to sound condescending, but when I saw Starship Troopers, uh-huh. all right, I hated it. I thought it was dumb. I thought the acting was bad, and the, and it was stilted, and the script was hammy. A few years later, I realized, oh, it was meant to be that way. Why? Okay, because of this and this, and the propaganda aspect, is, as you're talking about, and certain fascist elements. Um, and, I fe- and I feel like uh, people who aren't really used to really just looking into films, I, I don't take anything away from those people they just don't care about movies that much and that's fine but like i feel that they might come away from inglorious bastards with certain notions confirmed by the film as opposed to you know uh, it asking with them asking questions about the use of propaganda to put forth an agenda and to completely demonize your enemy and stuff like that 
I feel like they'll come away being like, but damn right, fuck those Nazis. But Quentin Tarantino doesn't have any responsibility to make a film for those people. I know. He's making the film he wants to see. I know. You know, I, I, that's why I hate, I hate when people say that there should be less, you know, whatever, be it sex or violence or whatever, on TV. It's, uh, you know, that's what parents are for. That's not... Right. No one... Aaron Spelling didn't go into television to help raise America's children. And it would appear that he didn't go into television to really shield his own children from the <laughs> filth that he was uh, putting out. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's why that's why LeVar Burton went into television. There and you good go. for him. Yeah. I tell you about when I met Th- LeVar Burton. Yes, you did. Ah, I'm sure I've talked about it in the show. It's a <laughs> class act. Class act. Class act. I love that phrase. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so, so yeah, but that's that is uh, that does get to some of the things that we're talking about is how a filmmaker chooses to portray bad people, and then almost going even deeper than that, who whom a uh, uh, a filmmaker chooses to portray as bad, mm-hmm. you know, because the Nazi hunter, or I'm sorry, the Jew hunter is definitely a bad guy. And then what's the character's name? Werner, you said? Yeah. You know, he, he or as Brad gone, Pitt calls him Warner. Right. Yeah. Well, he could have gone Warner. That's, well, where, you're that's where you're wrong. <laughs> um, but you know, he could have gone either way. And the fact that Brad Pitt chose to, portray him as at least a, a bit sympathetic and noble and Wait, stoic. You mean Tarantino. What did I say? You said Brad Pitt. No, oh, yeah, very different. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Tarantino is what I meant. Um, Tarantino chooses to portray Werner as um, noble and stoic and all that just before we all get a nice laugh after him getting his skull crushed in by Eli Roth. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, he's... Well, finish your thought. Well, just the fact that he chose to do that, at least for a moment, I was like, oh, good, all right. If he had continued along those lines, perhaps I would have been more on board but with that, it. it would, it would but not it would have, have been, been a, a different Tarantino film. film. Right, absolutely. At all. I mean, if you look at any of his films, yeah. it seems like he goes out of, the, out of the way to try and make his characters as unappealing as possible, but still cool. You know what I mean? I mean, like, who are you supposed to be rooting for in... Other than Jackie Brown, who's pretty much a good person. Max Cherry, of course, is the yeah, best character yeah, of okay. the lot. But, but um, I mean, look at... Uh, I mean, in Reservoir Dogs, he has the main guy, the cop, the good guy, yeah. shoot an innocent woman point blank yeah. and kill her. Yeah. You know? And unarmed... Oh, no, not unarmed. She was armed. Yeah. She shot him first. <laughs> right. Uh, but innocent. Right. Just a civilian trying to protect herself. I mean, he... That's that's what I'm saying that Quentin Tarantino makes he makes these sort of morally simplistic films but he is not more uh simplistic morally himself and he yeah. addresses it by peppering his movies with the those sorts of things. Yeah. You know, he he's he's testing how far I think he he is often testing how far we will go as an audience to be sim- sympathetic to a person, you know, and how how yeah. how strong the cinema can be in making an awful person sympathetic. You know, I mean, no one in Reservoir Dogs is the least bit... They're all awful people. They talk, uh, you know, casually about shooting police officers. Yeah. Uh, at, at least, th- they're, like, at least three of them go on just astonishingly racist tirades. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and but they're still, like, the cool guys because they're, yeah. they're, they're movie cool. Yeah, and, I mean, right down to the fact that when... Uh 
when they ask, you know, did you shoot anybody? And he said a couple cops. And yeah. then he says, no real people. No real people. Yeah. Like, that's that me- always bothered me. But I It mean, does bother me, but you get intentionally the Im- so. But do you get the impression that the audience uh, would be like, yeah, man, no real people. <laughs> just, you know, not not just because we're right there with the with these criminals. Um, and it's interesting because to, you know, to watch uh, interview footage with uh, like Tim Roth, uh-huh. he says that it was interesting because he felt like he was playing uh, not necessarily a villain, but the but the antagonist of the piece, because in a room full of criminals, the cop is the bad guy. Right. You know, and but the character is still written, I'd say, very sympathetically. Yeah, because we get to see his sort of home life. We know right. his, we know his real name. Yeah, <clears throat> but there is the realization that it's it's an interesting thing because without his character's involvement, this would have gone off probably without a hitch. Although I guess Mister Blonde does shoot somebody just for pushing the alarm, but for the most part, not ma- not nearly as many people would have died had this man gone in to stop them. You know, right. So he is, in a way, more uh, not necessarily more of a villain than the others. Like this, I I I agree with you that it's re- perhaps Reservoir Dogs more than more than the rest because you know in Pulp Fiction there are no cops; everyone's a criminal. But <laughs> in that in Reservoir Dogs there is a, a degree of moral complexity, and you're not really sure who to sympathize with. I mean, you don't want. You don't want any of these characters to die. Like even, eh, you might want Blonde to die. Yeah, and I want Mr. Pink to die, and he's the one that doesn't. Why do you want Mr. Pink to die? Because <laughs> he's the worst. He's so annoying. And he says, he, well, I guess Mr. Blonde and uh, 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 Chris Penn, uh, what's the character? Nice Guy Eddie. Nice Guy Eddie also are really racist. But Oh, yeah. But I don't like I don't like any of the racists. I like when the racists die. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right then, man. You're coming up with all kinds of t-shirt quotes. <laughs> um, yeah. So I wanted to uh, to to move along and talk about some of the arguably not even that arguably. I, I'm going to take that out. Not in editing. I just mean don't let disregard what I just said. Um, some of the least sympathetic on the surface characters, but they are treated oddly enough with the most sympathy with you know with more sympathy than I've ever seen for characters like that, because I imagine if you talk to anybody, they would tell you that a true human monster is somebody who victimizes children uh-huh. um, and so I'm looking at Hans Beckert, played by Peter Laurie in M. Well, this is good. Be- and Dylan Baker, I don't remember the name of the character, in Happiness. This is good because we've been talking about uh, genre movies. Yeah. In which this is much, it's much easier to do because, as you said, it doesn't necessarily take place in our reality. You right. know, I mean, uh, we know when we go into a genre type movie that it's not really our reality because there are rules that only exist in this particular genre. Right. You know? We were talking about you know crime movies, but it's also it's also like The Hangover, you know. Yeah, which I, mean, I still the, haven't seen. Oh well, I mean those guys. Oh, I would hate them in real life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I would hate those douchebags, you know. And old school too, like every Todd Phillips movie, you know. I wouldn't hang out with any of those people, douchebags. Yeah. But I'll watch them for 
90 minutes and it's funny, you know, because that's the world that it exists in. Yeah. But now we're moving into meteor territory here, you know, yeah. uh, you know, real, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? More slice of life dramas. I don't know. What I'm we're not sure if I call M slice of life, but, um, no, not M. No, but, but happiness. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what's interesting is, is that M, it takes a genre that though the film is still fairly early, a genre that was even by that point, pretty well established, which is, gangsters, crime, cops uh-huh. and crook. It takes that and it injects like f- films that are that are kind of viewed as escapism. Uh-huh. It takes that and it injects a character whose crimes are very much not escapism. Like they're very much here in our world mm-hmm. and and it just says, well, how would all, how would these cops and crooks of the of the movies, how would they react to this guy? And the fact that, he, I mean, you you this man molests and murders children. Yeah. And even and even though they never say molest because I don't think they really could at the time, it's implied. But you know what? Let's go ahead and say he doesn't. Let's say he just murders children. Well, okay then. Um, <laughs> still pretty bad, I'd say. Yeah. And so, um, so I mean, he he really is. I mean, I mean, and it's early on in the film we view him the same way as as the society does, which is he's disgusting. He's uh, just a horrible person, and oh, I don't want any part of him. Um, and then. About halfway through, it, like, gives him a face. You see him just walking along. You see him actually in the process of, like, going after a kid. And you see that he doesn't seem to want to do it, but he still does it. And the fact that he's conflicted, it can actually do two things. And I think it actually does both. It either makes it makes him more sympathetic because you're like, okay, well, at least he recognizes that this is not right. But in the process of doing so, it also makes him somewhat less sympathetic because if he recognizes that it's wrong, then he does, he can't even blame it on being crazy. Right. That means he's like you and me. Yeah. And and that and so in injecting a, a conscience into this character that they easily could have just made crazy. And they do make him with deep issues. I mean, he talks about like hearing voices but i don't think it's actual voices it's just his impulses basically mm-hmm. that he's talking about um but they could have made him crazy or just not understandable but instead they just chose his actions to not be understandable but he's just someone just like you and me and and so fritz fritz lang just really plays with the audience's sympathy to the point that by the end you really have been put through the ringer because it goes from you're on, you're you're never on board with the guy, but you're you're sympathetic towards him. Then you're not. Then you are. Then you're not. Then you are him at the end. It's uh-huh. very much from his point of view at that at that point, and and it's like I don't want to be this guy. It goes from it, it actually takes an audi- the audience's sympathy to the farthest point that it can, which is literally completely subjective. You are that man now, and. And so now we're a man that we absolutely don't want to be. And in doing so, it demands that we see things from his point of view. And he just becomes just pathetic. Never, I mean, you never are with him, but you just, 
you almost just want to put him to sleep because this guy is just so miserable and he just causes misery everywhere he goes. Like, just put him down, you know? But, uh, you know, a movie you mentioned earlier was Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, which is essentially that the end of M, but stretched out over (laughs) an entire movie. You know, I mean, you're, you're, you're forced to be with the guy the whole time and you don't, you don't want to, but you can't. It's not a movie you want to walk out of either. It's a, yeah. it's a fascinating, brilliant movie. Would you say that um, the audience sympathizes with Patrick Bateman? I don't know because that's we're talking about we're talking about genre again. That's true. That's true. You know, it's. I mean, clearly, I mean, by the time he <laughs> fires one bullet and explodes an entire cop car with it, yeah. you know, this is not. <laughs> <laughs> Even he's kind of surprised at it. You know that part? He, he, he looks yeah. quizzically at the gun. Yeah. <laughs> what the? Um, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't... I, I don't sympathize with Patrick Bateman, but I don't know if he actually really even did any of those things. He's... Yeah. Uh, uh, un- unlike Hans Beckert. Yeah. Is it Becker or Beckert? Beckert. Beckert. Like yeah. Deckert. Yeah. From... Okay. Anyway. Uh, unlike Hans Beckert... Um, uh, Patrick Bateman is just batshit insane. Oh yeah, he's a, he's a lunatic. Yeah, he's he is losing it. But uh, but I think like he, he he even says I, I I fear my mask of sanity is about to slip. <laughs> <laughs> he's like laying there getting a massage or whatever. It was. <laughs> God, I love that movie. It's pretty great. Um, but I think perhaps even like more so than Hans Becker, more so than uh, than Henry. What's what's his last name? I don't remember. Lucas. Uh, I think so. Anyway, but Henry, portrait of a serial killer. Um, let's say let's say that's his last name. That's right. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, more so than than those characters, I mean, the character that I think just causes audiences to do a uh, like just a just I, I don't I don't even really know what to say because you're never you are sympathetic with him, but you're not, and that's Dylan Baker in Happiness. I mean, because he's not—he's not killing anyone, but he does—he rapes children. Yeah, his son's friends. Yeah, I mean, it's terrible. But he's never viewed as a as like a just a straight up monster. No, yeah, uh, that's uh, Todd Zolens is uh, able to walk a very thin line in his films, and you know that's why uh, I like him so much. Yeah, but. Uh, I'm not really sure how I feel about wh- when I watch Dylan Baker. You know, yeah. it's there's a temptation in watching that movie or or other Todd Salins movies to like it would be easier to just stop caring about this person. Yeah. You know, it would be easier for me to get through this if I could just say, uh, "Well, this guy's an animal." You know, yeah. But he never quite lets you do that. He he's good at like sort of teasing you with that. You yeah. know. Like by making them, okay, this person's so wrong or whatever that it'd be like, okay, go ahead, you can just write them off. But then there'll be something just sort of funny or quirky or human, yeah, and you're pulled right back in. And he does that throughout the entire movie with all his characters and and in in in, in palindromes and Welcome to the Dollhouse yeah. as well. I never saw storytelling. Now that I thought you saw storytelling and you didn't like it. No, I never saw it. Huh. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a weird thing because you're, you're so, 
sympathetic, I guess, is the only word I can think of, but you're not really in sympathy with him. But you're sympathetic to him uh, to the point that, I mean, you know, when people are, like, spray-painting stuff on his house, mm-hmm. when he's, you know, going to get caught, you kind of just... You kind of feel like, oh, why why don't they just leave this man alone? Wait, no. <laughs> no, that's not what I should be thinking. He did a terrible thing. I mean, it's it's a very strange it's it is one of the what I would say is it's one of the like one of the most I understand the characters is fictional, but it's one of the most clear-eyed views of a character I've ever seen. Because I'm sure that so, that there are, you know, child molesters and child murderers out there that really are just Noah Cross from Chinatown, just mm-hmm. just these beastly men with no redeeming characteristics at all. But that is not Dylan Baker. Yeah. There are redeeming things to him. But, of course, this cancels those out by a substantial margin. <laughs> um, but those things are still there. And it's it, it's it is one of the most... I, it's one of the most confl- it's it, I've I've seldom felt more conflicted. Not conflicted though. Even see, like, listen to how I'm talking. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm not conflicted. I know what he did was wrong, and I want him to go to jail. But I know that jail will destroy this man. Uh huh. And I don't want to see him destroyed. But I do desperately want to see him punished. And yeah. it's just, I mean, it's just when you talked about sympathy for for. Like kind of bad bad characters. It's the first one that popped up because it's just like I don't even I can't even describe my relationship with this character. Yeah, well, I want to talk. Uh, I don't know if you had put any of these on your list, and we should start wrapping up. But okay. it, it occurred to me what did actually uh, spur this. Uh, it had nothing to do with the damn United. It All was, right. and now I can't remember. I was listening to something about um, someone like it was a podcast. It doesn't matter. A guy was talking about someone he knew who was. Um, uh, a gambler who was, had essentially ruined his own life, you know, and mm. and the lives of people who worked for him because he owned a company and like uh, screwed a lot of people out of money, yeah, because of his gambling, you know, and how tough it was, whatever, you know, and it got me thinking about the movie Owning Mahoney. Oh yeah, which I don't like, and I think you uh, you talked, don't like the movie. Yeah. Oh, we've talked about this. Hmm. Anyway, um, did you have anything? on your list of movies that try to do that but fail because you end up just not liking the character. Um, I mean, there's mean certainly it, there's things like there's a movie like High Fidelity, which yeah. very much wants you to like the character. Right. And I don't because he's just a whiny little baby. But that's 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 me. Owning Mahoney is a movie that's trying to do what these other movies are doing. Like he's what he's do what this guy's doing is not good. Yeah, he shouldn't be sympathetic. In real life, you would probably look down on him. Yeah, he's trying to make him sympathetic and fails. Yeah, or in my opinion, it fails. I know you like the film, but yeah, I, yeah, I also thought of and actually a movie that I like somewhat is Permanent Midnight. Oh yeah, but I still don't like the the Jerry Stahl character as much as I'm supposed to. I think. Uh. You know, I was going to bring up Rachel getting married, but I think I like Rachel just about as much as you're supposed to. Yeah. Like, you're never supposed to really embrace her. No, yeah. You're supposed to feel a certain degree of sympathy for her, but man, she just... It really puts you in the position of the other family members, where it's just like, yeah, I love you, 
but man, I cannot stand to listen to you. Uh-huh. You, you just make everything awkward and about yourself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, Sorry to put you on the spot. I was just wondering if you'd put anything on your, uh, on your list like that. Well, what I something I do have on my list. Do you have any others aside from owning Mahoney? No, those are the only ones that I. And why do you think? Or there's is? another uh, another um, gambling related movie is The Cooler, which is just oh, stupid. Yeah. yeah, you just don't care for that film. <laughs> no. Um, but why do you why do you think they failed at doing it in owning Mahoney? Is it the way the character is written? Is it the way he's played? Or you know, I, I think they just went they went too far. They they didn't they didn't put the 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 time in to show the more sympathetic aspects of the character. Right. You know? Like, if you... I mean, look at... Because it's Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Look at his character in Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Not a good person at all. Right. But they throw these little things in, like the beginning when he and his wife are happy, you know, yeah. or when he breaks down in the car, and, like, just these... It's... They're very... They're spare, but they're these, like, just huge sort of bullet points throughout the movie, you know, that keep him... Like I said you can never quite write off the character because every once in a while you're reminded that he's right. human, you know? And, uh, I think it's mostly just the, the filmmaking, uh, the filmmakers fault and, and the script, the, the screenplay in earning Mahoney that, uh, I just stopped caring about the character pretty early in. Well, I think that's also just the nature of, of, of that character. Just, I, I don't know if that's how the real guy was, whatever the case may be, but like he just, he keeps everything inside to the point that when he's gambling, he doesn't look like he's having a good time, which is why, to me, it's very, it's it's almost jarring when later on somebody, uh, like a psychiatrist, asks him, uh, on a scale of one to a hundred, of ex- you know, a scale of excitement, one to a hundred, what where would gambling fall? And he just goes a hundred. Uh-huh. What about everything else? Twenty. <laughs> and just, and the way he just says it without thinking about it. I mean, just. He's a man who clearly knows what he likes, what he doesn't like, but he never lets you, the viewer, in. He's a hard character to sympathize with mm-hmm. because he's not letting you in. You know, um, only at the end when he re- expresses regret and actually starts to cry a little bit, um, are you like, oh, I guess he actually does feel things like people do. Um, what I will bring up is a movie that that's so... In my opinion, I know that I, I'm kind of in the minority on this, but in my view, it tries so hard to get you to sympathize with a character who's doing bad things mm-hmm. that I think it actually goes a couple steps further and you wind up condoning everything that he did. Okay. And that is the char- and it's based on a true story, and it's the movie Blow, and the oh. character of George Young, played by That's Johnny Depp. another movie I don't like. I, I don't care for it either because it's just it tries so hard to make him seem I mean he was a victim of like entrapment by the police mm-hmm. but he was selling like bringing in and selling drugs to a lot of people and I remember listening to uh Ted Demi uh who incidentally shortly after making blow died of uh cocaine overdose i believe mm-hmm. um he uh he said he was you know george young should not be in jail george young is an addict just like everybody else and she's like uh, 
that doesn't help your case with me because now it, if he's fighting addiction and he's still helping other people get addicted to things, that does not make him more sympathetic in my eyes. I realize that maybe it makes his he'll do anything he can to get money to feed yeah, his addiction. There, there would have been a way to make that movie that was less glorifying. Right. And just and the way it the way it just treats him as an innocent it treats him as just kind of naive like he never really knows what he's doing but you can't bring drugs in for well over 10 years and still plead ignorance as to i i didn't you know he knows it's wrong but he feels like you know it, it still treats him as the victim all always the victim of cops of other dealers whatever the case may be he is never at fault like it tries so hard to make him sympathetic that it goes a couple steps further and treats it as if he never did a thing wrong. And that's not correct. He did a lot of things wrong. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like that's... I, I, I was never a big fan of Ted Demi as a filmmaker, but um, it just... What else did he make? Was it The Ref? He did The Ref. Which I he like. He did... Um, oh, shoot. Did he, do, did he do Life? I think he did Life. With Martin Lawrence and Eddie Murphy. Oh, really? Murphy. I never saw it. Um, and then he directed uh, No Cure for Cancer, the Dennis Leary thing. Right. He direct. I think he directed one. He worked with Dennis Leary uh, a couple other times. They were okay. like friends, but I don't recall. Anyway, but the stuff that uh, he, I always viewed him as a fairly mediocre filmmaker. And and if you if you feel like George Young's life needs to be a film, it you need a. a you need a director like a Todd Solon, somebody who will take a, a, a clear-eyed look at his subject. Um, you know, speaking of the ref, okay, I like that movie, but uh, it's a Dennis Leary vehicle. But he's the least funny part of it. Oh yeah, it's the family that's hilarious. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, but I mean, yeah, especially the leads. But um, even <laughs> the brother-in-law, when they finally like they've been arguing the whole movie, you know, yeah. and finally the end, they announce like. We're getting a divorce, and the brother-in-law goes, "What? Why?" <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty solid. Yeah. Um, but uh, I will bring up. I don't. I don't have the quote in front of me, but I showed you a clip uh, of Albert Mazel's mm-hmm. uh, famed documentary filmmaker, um, and he had a quote. I recently watched Michael Moore hates America. Yeah, sorry everybody, I watched it and. I did not expect it to be good, and it wound up being surprisingly good. Uh, maybe I'll, I wrote a blog for it for my other website. Maybe I'll go ahead and post it on BP. Now, um, I watched just a few minutes of it there with you when you were looking for the quote there. Yeah. Is that guy who was wearing the T-shirt and jeans, he's the filmmaker? Yes. Or, so he's definitely taken one page out of Michael Moore's book, which is to dress like a slob yeah, while abs- you're uh, absolutely, making yes. the movie. Um, he actually winds up taking one of the one of the best parts of the of the film is he actually winds up taking several pages from Michael Moore's book and then realizes that's what he's doing uh-huh. and he's like oh geez this is it's easy to do this because it's just so sometimes it's a practical decision sometimes it's just so easy to fall into it that I think he actually gains more sympathy from what Michael Moore does it's really and and the but, fact that he calls attention to it is is good. He, but let's it, he let's end with it. this with this Albert Mazel's quote because it right. was very uh, yeah. very much speaks to what we're talking about today. We're basically and I and I I didn't write it down, but basically he says that if you go into a 
uh, and he, he's talking about documentaries, but I feel like it can apply to anything. If you go into filmmaking hating your subject, then that's just going to taint the way you approach it. But you, you should go in with a love and respect for your subject because, and this is now we're getting into what I think, but I, I'm paraphrasing what he is saying, because a love and respect will engender a desire to be honest and show something as it is, mm-hmm. you know, warts and all. And, and that's, and, and that's the, to, I, I feel like perhaps the, the best version of, of what we're talking about, uh, you know, that you and I brought up is probably Dylan Baker because it just, it doesn't go, it doesn't, it condemns his actions without saying he himself is completely irredeemable. Um, but it also, but it, so it doesn't do that. But it also doesn't go the the George Young route, where it just says he's so sympathetic that anything he might have done doesn't really matter. Um, it just finds that middle ground where it says, where it literally. I'm sorry to sound cheesy. It literally just says this is a person who's done things wrong, and those th- those actions have consequences, but that does not mean that this is no longer a person. Um, and it was, it's one of the best quotes I've ever, I've ever heard about filmmaking and, and it's, it's worth watching Michael Moore hates America. If for no other reason than just to hear what Albert Mazels has to say. Mm -hmm. And Penn Jillette actually, uh, is interviewed (laughs) and he says a lot of really interesting things. Um, but just the idea that it, like if you, if, if there are any filmmakers listening, and you're going to make a film about somebody who's done something wrong or does stuff that you wouldn't approve of, I feel like try and see it from their point of view. You'd never have to actually condone what they're doing, but it will give you the perspective needed to make that character, I think, more dynamic. Right. So. Okay. Um, all right. So there well, we go. Um, and did you... Did you want to have that argument about whether or not we need to see movies in theaters? <laughs> well, I tell you what, um, I was at, I was having the discussion with with some friends the other day. Um, I was kind of half joking because we need oh, to wrap okay. up, but, but it's not an argument. It's just a, a point that when I saw, like, I've I've in the last year and a half, I've seen Network, um, Citizen Kane, Wizard of Oz, all on the big screen. Yeah, and of course, I was already intimately familiar with all of those films. On the small screen, oh, and Jaws, I saw Jaws as well, and I saw them, and the minute you sit there, like when you and I saw Lawrence of Arabia, the minute you sit there, you think, you realize, right, this is how they were always meant to be seen, and as big as, as big as a TV can get, this was how the filmmaker envisioned his film being seen, Mm -hmm. and... So if I have the now re, these days, of course, I think there are certain films that are made with DVD in mind. Yeah, but I think certain filmmakers like a Soderbergh, like the Coen Brothers, um, who will always think of it in terms of a movie theater first, and based on that, I want to try and see as much stuff like that in the theaters as as possible. So that's me, though. Okay. So. All right, uh, so you can uh, write us David at BattleshipPretension.com and Tyler at BattleshipPretension.com. You can get David over at Twitter. At The Pretension. At The Pretension. Uh, you can uh, listen to my podcast, my other podcast, More Than One Lesson, MoreThanOneLesson.com. Um, and Tyler is also on Twitter, at More Lessons. That's right. 
Um, I think that that is it. Um, you can always uh, donate to us, and thank you to everybody who who has donated. Uh, I, I really week, do want to say say thank you to people. Yeah. You know, because a lot of podcasts have donate buttons, and it, it, I think for a lot of people, it rarely makes a, a dent in their in their costs. Right. And you guys, we've had the donate button for over a year now. I think. Yeah. And um, it really means a lot to us that the donate. I mean, still we still have to pay for a lot of stuff ourselves, but right. the donate button has been a big help. And it really means a lot that you guys care enough about the show to to yeah. donate. And we might be having like another another donation drive in in a few months. Yeah, um, that'll be fun. The other one went well, and we've got more prizes to give out and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, thank you very much for that. Uh, head on over to iTunes and write us a nice review. That'd be great. Um, I think the nominations, the podcast award nom- uh, nominations or submissions, will be done by the time this comes out. Oh, okay. I think it comes. I think the nominations are done at eleven fifty nine p.m. the eighteenth. So if we put this out early tomorrow, then you still have time to go to podcastawards.com and submit us for uh, the, mo- the in the movie category. Okay. Also, the audience choice. Or best produced, but come on, we all know that <laughs> we don't deserve that. So uh, anyway, so yeah, uh, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.